This is another message from Glory City Church by Pastor Catherine Renala. For more information, go to glorycitychurch.com.au. Hallelujah. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom power. Love our God is an awesome God. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom power. Love our God is an awesome God. Father, we say thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Father, thank you for your mercy. You are faithful and true in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Well, hallelujah. You love well, and I love our church. Our heart for this church has always been that by this shall all men know that we are his disciples, that we love one another. And that's my heart's desire. I've said many times, we cannot possibly pay enough pastors to do all the looking after people. But we, and, and if we did, it would be more like an orphanage than like a family, having paid people looking after um, new believers and, and other people. But you know, our heart's desire is that we as a people would recognize and get ready and prepared to be lovers of Him. And in loving Him, when we love other people, He takes it personally. As much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. So when you reach out and you were kind to somebody, then you encourage somebody, you talk to somebody that perhaps looks fine on the outside but is having a, a hard time, having a struggle, and you just encourage them or you, you make a time to meet up with them for coffee or take them out for dinner after church, God takes it personally. We need to get past a uh, clergy-laity mentality that, you know, well, that's the pastor's responsibility. No, the pastor's responsibility is to equip you to do the work of the ministry, which is to go and be Jesus to each other and to the world around you. Amen? And I need you all. Uh, when you have been born again and you have found Jesus as your Savior, you have something to give. Hallelujah. And we need to be willing in this day of incredible harvest. I tell you, the, the supernatural acceleration of this hour is, is very exciting. And God has been preparing every one of us. But he's preparing us not just to receive, but to give. And if you will faithfully steward what you have, you will be given more. If you will faithfully steward what you have, you will be given more. And if we understand who we are, then freely as we've received, freely we will give. But I've been sharing for um, a little while now, uh, for the last couple of weeks from Hebrews chapter 10. I was, I, I, I can't get away actually from the book of Hebrews at the moment. I'm just enjoying it so much, so wonderful. And you know, I encourage you, 
Feast on the word of God. Enjoy it. Deeply drink of it. You know, listen to it while you're getting ready in the morning. Uh, have it playing in your car, on your phone, and, and just allow the word of God to wash over you. And then whatever catches your attention, perhaps take it then and look at it. Study it. Look at it in different versions. Have a... Uh, you know, have a, a, a study that you're doing. I like to, to listen to the Word of God. I like to take it. I like to study it. Tom and I read it together as we go to sleep at night time. And then often I'll just put the Psalms on as I'm going to sleep and, um, and let it play for 20 minutes or so and just, just let it put me to sleep. Because the Word of God has power to change our lives. Amen. And unless we are allowing that to be implanted on the inside, we can become susceptible to all these clever teachings that come across and sound so good. And the Bible says in the last days, there will come all these doctrines that, that sound good. But Proverbs says one argument sounds right until you hear the other side. And unless you are... For yourselves, knowing God through his word, you then can be taken away with things that sound good. Let me tell you, he loves us and he's given us the Bible, the whole book. Read it all. It's all for your benefit. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I've just been uh, this weekend uh, with Sarah Cheeseman down at a women's conference on the Gold Coast. And we had a glorious time, just beautiful to see what the Lord was doing, people getting baptized in the Spirit and healed and uh, just wonderful things. And I give God glory. But my heart's desire for every one of us is that we would not miss this glorious awakening that's upon us. You know, God is speaking to us, but God is waiting for us to take the next step and actually allow it to crack through the layers of our heart into the place where it becomes our daily application. I want to share with you, uh, we're still looking at Hebrews chapter 10 and I'm reading it today again in the Passion Translation. Um, You can read it in the New King James, it's it's wonderful in that too. Uh, Wonderful, wonderful chapter, wonderful book. And fascinating to me, but I, I've been enjoying it as afresh a in the Passion Translation. And it talks about Jesus coming as the new priest in a new priestly order, in the order of Melchizedek. And you can read about that in you know, chapter 6, 7, 8. It's, it's so exciting. A new priest meant a new covenant. Hallelujah. And uh, as he came, he came and said, Lord, sacrifices have not pleased you. So here I am. You've given me a body and I offer it to you. And he became the ultimate sacrifice. Hallelujah. We can read that here. In verse um, 5, when Jesus the Messiah came into the world, he said, Since your ultimate desire was not another animal sacrifice, you have clothed me with a body that I might offer myself instead. Multiple burnt offerings and sin offerings cannot satisfy your justice. So I said to you, God, I will be the one to go and do your will to fulfill all that is written of me in your word. Hey, a wonderful God. Our wonderful Jesus. So he says, yes, God, I'll go. And 
Verse 14, and by his one perfect sacrifice, he made us perfectly holy and complete for all time. This remarkable message of the gospel. You know, every year the priest would come and he would offer sacrifices and it would be able to cleanse them temporarily, ceremonially, technically clean them to be able to get in and, um, you know, worship in the holy place. But it had no power to free them from a guilty conscience. It had no power to clean them from the inside out. It was ceremonial, it was exterior, because nothing was, was able to take away the crookedness. You see, he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Yay! Transgressions and iniquities are two different words in the Hebrew. Transgression is sin. He was wounded for our sin. He took and paid the price for our sin. That's what you say. Hooray! Yeah, so we'll try, we'll try again. He, he was wounded and took away all of our sin. Yay! That's good. That's, that's worship. Yeah, that's responding to the truth about Jesus. It's actually the sort of worship that the Father enjoys. And then iniquities actually means crookedness. It means our crooked nature. That definition that we've had on the inside of you, selfish, lazy, pathetic, sinner, that shame, that, that twisted definition. He was bruised to take that definition and give you a brand new one. To give you a brand new nature, a brand new character, a whole new identity. That was the power of his sacrifice far above the sacrifice of bulls and goats. They could never deal with iniquity. They could never deal with crookedness. But Jesus could. And this is the good news of the gospel. Hallelujah. Verse 17. I will ne not ever again remember their sins and lawless deeds. Hallelujah. Yay. So if our sins have been forgiven and forgotten, why would we ever need to offer another sacrifice for sin? In fact, God says now it is faith that pleases God. The just shall live by faith, that we actually hit, what will please God is not us trying to punish ourselves for our sin, put ourselves in the naughty corner for a while to try and make ourselves feel like we could somehow deserve to be forgiven, but actually humble ourselves and receive what we could have no power in earning. And daily step in by faith to the freedom that he's purchased for us. Verse, um, I'll, I'll read this from verse 19. I don't know if we've got it up there. And now we are brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come right into the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation. I tell you, when I started to understand that, it revolutionized my life. It meant that I could come in and I could start to worship God and even if I felt like, well, God, I don't really feel like I deserve to, you know, have an encounter with you because I really haven't spent enough time seeking you in prayer and, 
You know, here I am to worship. I feel like a bit of a hypocrite, but here I am to say that you're my God. And I, you know, thank you for that, God. But still, our own hearts condemn us. The Bible says, even if our hearts condemn us, is greater than our hearts. Hallelujah. Hey, that's happy news. That means your heart is not the boss anymore. Your soul and your emotions are not the boss anymore. You have to tell your soul, why are you downcast within me, O soul? Like it says in the Psalms, why are you downcast? Hope in God. Trust in God. You need to sort yourself out. You need to get over your sweet self. And remind yourself that it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives in you. Hallelujah. I said last week, I'm going to make you all preachers. And I want you preaching every day to yourself. I want you to preach to yourself first to the place that you come out shining and the righteous are bold as a lion. Hallelujah. Where you remind yourself on a daily basis, thank you, Lord. I reckon myself dead today. Today, by faith, I step into the magnificent freedom of not having a guilty conscience. Now, guilt is not a bad thing. If you feel bad about something, you need to talk to God about it. You need to tell him, Lord, I feel bad about this. And he'll help you. If it's something that you need to turn from, repent and give to him, confess it, lift it up to him and exchange it. Just like I talk about foreign currency, it's something that you can deliberately lift up and exchange. Don't think you're going to walk with a a clean conscience if you haven't actually repented and given it over to Jesus. Now, hang on, I'm going to tell you, if you're living in sin and you're wanting to walk in righteousness and the identity, I'm the righteousness of Christ, but I'm going to keep on sleeping with my girlfriend... You are in sin and you should feel guilty. And if you don't respond, your, your conscience will become seared. But if you go, I feel bad about that. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't want to do that anymore. I give it up to you. He goes, yay, that's not who you are anyway. Here, I give you my righteousness. I give you my power. I give you my strategy. I make a way of escape for you in every temptation. And I call you clean and pure and holy. This is better news than you're reacting. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you the truth because, you know, you can hear all sorts of stuff and it's, it, you can't buy a twisted version of this. This has so much power, but you've got to take the whole lot. Amen. So you repent of your sin and you receive mercy and grace. But then if you've had something in your past that you feel ashamed of or guilty about, you know, perhaps it's something that you've done or something that you regret. And if you think about it, you go, oh God, I feel terrible about that. God wants you to imagine as you've given it to him and exchanged it for his righteousness. He wants you to see him, Jesus, standing in that situation and then see if the enemy can have any accusation. For he says that as far as the east is from the west, I have forgotten it and I have become your substitute. And in that place where you sinned, he now stands and the enemy goes, ah, Ah, I can't can't accuse you. 
Because it's no longer you who lives, but Jesus. And there's no accusation against Jesus. Hallelujah. Hooray. So in your deepest, darkest, scariest, most shame-filled secret, as you have repented and given it to God, imagine Jesus now standing there. And next time the enemy comes with his pointing finger, he'll get a terrible shock as you remind him, hey, that person is no longer alive. It's Jesus who lives in their place. Hallelujah. And there is, it's as though it never happened. That, that's a worship moment right there. Hallelujah. As though it never happened. Let's look, let's look at this. For he has dedicated a new life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. So we can run right into the holy place and have a cuddle. At any moment, you can come into worship and instead of feeling hypocritical, you can go, oh God, I thank you that you are the father that runs toward me, wraps your arms around me, kisses me and qualifies me no matter how I feel because you are good. Hallelujah. It means you can worship without shame and without fear. Hallelujah. Hooray. Without that confidence, then you will sh you'll hide yourself in shame like Adam and Eve did. Sin makes you hide, wants you to hang your head. But those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame because he's never scowling back at you. He doesn't look at you and go, I know what you've been like. He looks and goes, ah. Oh. I love you. I want to remind you what you look like. It's no longer you who live, but Jesus who lives in you. You are kind. You are patient. You are generous. You are long-suffering. You are overflowing with love. You are powerful. You are loved. You are accepted. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And since we have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith, that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we have been freed from an accusing conscience, and now we are clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. We've been freed from an accusing conscience. Now we can read that and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But God wants to take us to another level where we actually live free from an accusing conscience. Where we actually deliberately remind our souls to line themselves up with the truth of our new identity in Jesus. So that when you wake up and you might be feeling Oh, I feel tired, I feel this, I feel that. You need to deliberately remember that you are in a battle. 
And the enemy is looking, prowling around, seeking whom he may devour, seeking what deception he might bring. And you need to pick up the sword of the Spirit and begin to, to preach to your soul, to remind yourself, renew your mind by deliberately telling yourself, I am no longer... It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I'm not led by my emotions. I am led by the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God now within me. I speak to you, soul, and I say, rejoice. And again, I say, rejoice. You are clean. You are forgiven. What does it feel like to wake up not guilty, not feeling ashamed, not feeling afraid? actually clean, actually loved. What would it look like as every time you, you lift up your voice to the Lord, as you, as you open up your eyes and say, hello God, oh, thank you that you're here. You make your face shine on me today. Thank you, Daddy. I want to kiss. Here it is. Thank you. Yay. Thank you. Yay. I love you, God. Good morning. Let him love you. Let him wash over you. Let him remind you as you wake up deliberately take captive every thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of Christ. King Jesus is my first and foremost thought. Thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence my light. His desire, his delight is that he would be our first and our best thought. Hallelujah, because it's in the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of him that I become a partaker of the divine nature. Second Peter chapter one. Yay! By knowing him, I remember who I am. By looking in the mirror of his face, I'm reminded, thank you God, this is what I look like. I am clean, I am loved, I am set free from the bondage of sin. I have power now. I have within me the very power of God to be a supernatural encouragement to every person I meet. Woohoo! And instead of getting up and looking around to see who can encourage me, who can make me feel better, you will have already received the encouragement from Christ himself. Remembered, hey, I'm not a victim. I'm actually so spoiled by the love of God that I can't handle it and I have to share it. Not theologically or theoretically. The Father wants to come and love you practically and in reality. He wants to deeply touch you. He wants to shower you with displays of affection. He's into public displays of affection. He wants to make you giddy with love. He wants to allow you to come to the place where you fully and confidently know he is for me. He is standing with me. He is on my side. He's excited for me. He loves me. He, found, he wants to lavish love on me. How great is the love of God that he has lavished on us. That's, a, that's an invitation right there. God's saying, hey, ask me that question. I'd like to show you. Let me show you how great the love of God is that I want to lavish on you. You're going to have to pray for supernatural strength to be able to handle how much love I want to release to you. That's every day. If you wake up feeling, I just need some help today, God's going, oh good, I've got it all for you. But you know what? 
He doesn't look at you as this weak, pathetic creature. He says, I've given it all to you. Now, come on. I've given you all the keys of the kingdom. I've given you the tools. I want you to take up the sword of the spirit. I want you to to put on the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the word of truth, the, the gospel of peace. He wants you to have it and walk in it, not by accident, but deliberately. You have it, yes, you have it by legal right. But unless you actually lay hold of it, you won't experience it. You have to be deliberate. The heavens suffer violence and the violent take it by force. The just shan't shan't live by accident. The just shall live by faith deliberately walking in it, absolutely declaring that as I get up, as I go out, I want to be fully aware and fully awake of who it is that I am in Him, that my life has been now hidden with God in Christ and Jesus Himself is here. I tell you, it'll help you pray for the sick. I do it when I go to pray for the sick. I don't, I don't sort of look at things and go, oh, this is overwhelming. I've done that, I've, I've, I've felt those emotions at times, but when I do, I deliberately look in the mirror, the mirror of his face. We all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord and we're being transformed into that same image as we look at it. If you look at yourself and your inadequacy, that's what you will reflect because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But if instead you're looking at the mirror of his face, I remind myself, what do I look like? Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, as he is, so am I in this world. So that, therefore, I don't even have to be concerned about whether this person's going to get healed or not. I don't, I don't have to go give it a go. I just have to remember who I actually am. This works. I've seen it over and over again. I've tried it both ways, trying to pray my best prayers and hope that something happens. And I've actually learned what it is to enter into the rest of God, reminding myself what I look like. (laughs) And then holy confidence comes because I can have no confidence in the flesh, but I can have utter confidence in who Jesus is. Because greater is he than me. Hooray, he came to set me free from me. So you need to remind your soul, you're defeated. And Jesus Christ, he's the winner. Now he's given you power to be completely transformed. You are new. You are as he is. There is no fellowship light with darkness. God is not looking at you and seeing an incompleted work. He's looking at you and he is waiting for you to recognize that you have been made perfectly clean, perfectly whole, absolutely free from sin, a new creation, crucified with Christ, raised up with him, not by your own effort, but by the glorious grace of God that you might now manifest who he is in the world. And we can, we can know it, we can understand it, but we will actually by faith step into it and apply it to our soul and tell our emotions to line up with it, then we will begin to enter boldly 
before his throne. We will be able to make requests, not as a beggar trying to get God to do something, but as one with him. We can lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, not because we've worked out the right formula, but because we've figured out, hallelujah, he set me free from me and came instead. It's exciting for the people you minister to. They don't want to encounter you. Oh, they might, but they don't need to. They need Jesus. And that's who you are. So that's what the enemy tries to steal. That's what he tries to rob. That's what he comes against over and over and over again until he wears you down and you start to believe that, you know, well, good thing I'm technically saved. A lot of Christians are technically saved. But God's looking for you to be experientially saved where you actually experience the joy of your salvation. The joy of my salvation is that I am a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. It doesn't matter if I made a mess yesterday as I've exchanged that for his divine life. Hallelujah. Today I am fully qualified, fully anointed because it's not me, it's him. Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? It says here in verse 23, so now we must cling tightly to the hope that lives within us, knowing that God always keeps his promises. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them toward acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to neglect meeting together as believers, as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage each other as we anticipate that day dawning. Jesus Christ is coming again. That was a worship moment, you just missed it. <laughs> Jesus is coming again, hallelujah. Ha, Shabbat. And he's gonna rule and reign on the earth. But in the meantime, we are called to encourage each other. We are called to celebrate one another and spur one another on to love and good deeds. We are called not to criticize one another, to talk about each other behind their backs, but to remind one another what they look like, to encourage them, to celebrate them. Uh, Sarah and I were just listening to a podcast by Chris Vallotton as we were driving home from the coast this morning. And um, Chris was talking about Barnabas. And I was so encouraged just listening to about Barnabas, the encourager. Because when Saul, who had slaughtered who knows how many thousand, thousands of Christians, he was like the ISIS of that day, slaughtering believers. And he had an encounter with God where he was dramatically changed. And he came after Ananias anointed him and his eyesight was restored. He went to try and talk to the believers, but the believers were really scared of him. They didn't trust him. They thought he was just infiltrating so he could come and murder them. The, the believers in Damascus were many of them were the ones that had, had escaped Jerusalem from the tyranny that, that Paul was bringing upon them. And so their families, their people that they knew had been killed by this man who now wanted to be part of their church. And one man, Barnabas, stood up and said, hey, 
I'm going to trust him. I'm going to endorse him. I'm going to support him. I'm going to promote him. I'm going to encourage him. And Paul went on to write so much of the New Testament. But if he hadn't actually been given access to the church, encouraged without Barnabas, we may not have it. And then, you know, he, he was, they were taking Mark with them and Mark let them down. And then one day Barnabas says, oh, can we bring Mark with us? And Paul says, nah, he's a coward, not taking him with me anymore. And they had such a sharp disagreement over it that they actually parted ways. And then years later, Paul says, send me Mark, for he's a good man. And Mark wrote the gospel of Mark. I wonder where would the world be without Barnabas? Would we have had the gospel of Mark? Would we have had the books that, that Paul, the Holy Spirit had used Paul to write? You know, God's looking for us to believe in one another, to encourage one another in the call of God, in the destiny and the identity of God within us. Just as we believe of ourselves, hallelujah, I can be as bold as a lion. I am free, I am clean, I am loved, I'm happy, I'm kind, I'm full of joy. It doesn't matter how I'm feeling because my feelings now will line up with what the Word of God says. This is the truth, hallelujah. I remind myself what I look like and in knowing who you are, in allowing the love of God to wash over you and kiss you and comfort you and to live in that place where you are receiving from Him, walking in holy confidence, righteous, as bold as a lion, you then will look at other people, not through your lens of inadequacy, not through your lens of, of hurt and wounding, but you look at them through the eyes of God and you want to encourage them. You want to speak to their destiny. You want to speak to them uh, as God has made them and called them to be. Hallelujah. We have the opportunity to be Barnabas to a whole city. We have the opportunity to be a Barnabas to each other. Hallelujah. To encourage each other, to look at people. I have such incredible people in this church. Like people say, how do you have so many amazing people? I'm like, Jesus loves me. Hallelujah. But they are amazing amazing world changes, living and coming and being part of our fellowship, part of our team. Wow, Jesus. But you know what? God's calling us to spur them on to love and good deeds. Every one of you, if you would actually just give up and believe what God says and then deliberately walk by faith, you will change the world. Because how can Jesus not? How can Jesus not be fully manifested in you and not change the world? Jesus doesn't come fully manifested in you because of your persistence and your good works. He comes by you believing that he says, it's no longer me, but him. If you actually believe that, if you actually walked in a fully aware, fully awake revelation that it was not you, but Jesus in your body right now, what would that look like? What would you do with it? People often say, if only Jesus were here. He is. He's asleep in your boat. 
God's looking for you to wake it up, to remind yourself the revelation of Christ in me, the hope of glory. He's waiting for you to say, Spirit of wisdom and revelation, help me remember the truth of who he is so that I can know the hope of my calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in me, the saints, in you, the saints. He's excited about you. You are his inheritance. He said it's better that he goes away because you're going to be here with the Holy Ghost in you and on you. And the hope, the, the greatness of the power toward us who believe, greater works than these shall they do. Believers, it's time to step through the veil of intimidation and lies that the counterfeit enemy has put upon the church and say, ah, uh-uh. the truth has made me free. Hallelujah. It is for freedom that we are set free. Amen. Without deliberately walking in freedom, you walk by accident and you will wear the enemy's thoughts and emotions. You have to be vigilant to guard your heart. Your heart means your heart and mind. Taking captive every thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ, casting it down, any thought, negative thought you have about yourself, any shame, any guilt that you have confessed and released to God does not belong in your brain. It needs to be taken captive and replaced with truth. How do you feel about yourself? I'd like to ask. Because if you don't feel really amazing, then there is some level of deception operating in your thought life. Now, hang on, that's not really fair. Now, let's seriously think about this. How do you feel about yourself? Well, you know what, I'm a bit of a hypocrite or a backslidden believer, you know, I, I believe in God, I'm trying. You are not recognizing the simple truth of the gospel. You need to take that thought and take it captive. I'm not identified by my behavior, by my performance, by my spirituality. I am identified by the blood of the lamb that says he now has taken my iniquity, taken my crookedness and given me a brand new life, a brand new identity. This isn't actually very um, conventional religious thought. Conventional religious thought says, hang on, don't think too highly of yourself. I'd like to say, don't think of yourself at all anymore. Think all about him and believe that he's in you. (laughs) If God is an awesome God, if God is full of love and power and kindness and joy, full of faith, He says that everything that's in him now is in you. It's in the book. You should read it. It's very exciting. As he is. What's he like? As he is, so are you in this world. I got to do something. I'm so excited. Preach myself happy. Father, thanks for your word. Let us get it, God. Let us get it, live it, and apply it. Daddy, I cry out for a global awakening in the knowledge of you. Jesus, let it come. Jesus, let it come. 
Jesus, let it come. Father, we bless you. Right now, if you're here and you know in your heart you are not walking with God, you've been away from God, he's waiting for you to respond to him and say, Lord, I want to surrender and I want to receive your new life. We come into the kingdom of God by willingly surrendering, losing our lives to receive his. He's not interested in having a mixture. He wants you to receive this brand new identity. You can't have dual identity in the kingdom of God. You've got to be willing to lay down your life. Unless a man loses his life for my sake, he will not find it. Because dual personalities, schizophrenia in the kingdom of God is not allowed. What fellowship does light have with darkness? God is looking for a people who will surrender their lives, lay it down, and by faith take hold of the brand new, glorious, holy, full of life, glorious, eternal identity of Jesus, the acceptance of Christ, the forgiveness and the mercy of Jesus. But it takes you willingly saying, yes, Lord. I want to give my life to you. I want to surrender to you. If that's you, would you wave your hand at me? I want to pray for you. Yes, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Wave your hand at me. I want to see you. If you're watching on live stream, I want to pray for you too. Is there anybody else that says, yes, that's me? I want to give my life to Christ. I want to, I want to surrender to the mercy of Jesus. Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. Anybody else? Yes, that's beautiful. Anybody else that says, yes, that's me? Just wave your hand at me. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. All across this room and you watching on the camera, I want you to pray this after me. Father God, I believe you sent your son Jesus to be crucified in my place, to be punished in my place. I believe Jesus took away my sin. He is my substitute. He has taken my judgment. He has taken my shame. Right now, I believe Jesus rose again and that he receives me. Thank you, Father. I surrender my life. I give you my sin. I give you my old identity, my old nature, my weaknesses, my identity. And I receive your strength, your nature, your righteousness, your holiness. Thank you, Father, that you are my God and I am your child. Come into my life. Make me new on the inside. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we celebrate you. We say yes, we say yes, we say yes. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.